It's 5 o'clock in pirate country, and it's time to get pumped up with the P-Man. Hit the road. 94.3 The Game is going to get you home, and the P-Man's not holding back. Yes! Yes! Pirates win! Pirates win! Bring on the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Holy mackerel! Oh, my goodness! The flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Welcome into the Patrick Johnson Show. Ben B. Baby Barm filling in for the P-Man. He has some other assignments tonight. DJC Squared. No longer Lord Christopher, now King Christopher. I don't even want to get into it or yes, sir. why that's yes, the case. Sir. I understand you had a birthday yesterday. How'd that go, bud? I did have a birthday. It went well. Uh, I needed a day just to chill. You know, I went to Buffalo Wild Wings, watched some sports. Uh, NFL was on. It was lit. It was great. Can't complain, you know? Big Bang Theory. Oh, yeah. Watch Big Bang Theory. You know, I got to get that in. <laughs> that's your show. That's your show. I love Big Bang Theory. How old are you now, Chris? I am now 23 years old. I'm getting up there. 23, yeah, you're I old, getting up. I know, yeah. You're I'm, 21 now I'm still, just, right? I'm barely 21. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for making me feel like an old man. Yeah, you're an old fart. Plucky like young upstart. <laughs> Plucky young upstart here. Uh, by the way, we're going to do something different today on this Free Ball Friday. Uh, I got a question. uh Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, play some music or something. Sing the song, Chris. Sing the song. Wait, what song? The song, you know. The Catalina Wine Mixer. Uh, uh, poor Yes, a grand Hola finale, a big re. moment here. Keep going, Chris. Keep going. Espera. We're giving away a Chico's gift card. Keep The phone lines are open. And you, all you got to do is get this question right. It's a pirate-related question. It's relevant. ECU running back Keaton Mitchell currently sits at 999 all-purpose yards on the season. So he's a yard shy of a thousand all-purpose yards, Keaton Mitchell had over a thousand all-purpose last year. If Keaton gets one more yard, he'll be the first Pirate running back to have back-to-back a thousand all-purpose yard seasons since this former Pirate running back. Give me the correct answer. You win a Chico's gift card. That's all there is to it. Phones lines are open throughout the whole show. At any time you feel like you got the answer, hey, we're going by Scouts Honor here. No looking it up. That's no oh yeah, fun no. If, if you look. You know what you're doing if you look it up. Come yeah. on. Yeah, you don't gonna, be that guy. Yeah, you're a sad sack if you look it up just to get a Chico's gift card. I don't Come know. And now. when we were making it, it looked like it was pretty hard to look up. So if anyone's thinking about cheating, don't even try it. Don't do okay? it. Okay. And I'll know. Just know you can't be a I'll know. Yeah. I'll know. Either way, let's get into the news of the day in sports. Um, Usually Fridays, for whatever reason, since I've been hosting, has been kind of a down day for sports headlines and sports news, which is weird because you think you would get latest updates before the NFL and the college weekend. But uh, that just hasn't been the case for when I've been hosting on Fridays here recently. But finally, some interesting interesting stuff coming out here recently. Let's start with uh, none other than Baker Mayfield here. Um, And I think people are buying way too much into this, but nonetheless, it's an interesting story. Panthers backup quarterback, and yes, he's officially a backup. Interim head coach Steve Wilkes uh, officially listed and named him the backup earlier in the week in a press conference. They're rolling with P.J. Walker as the starter moving forward in the season until they're being, until they're given a reason pretty much to not have him as the starter anymore. But Baker Mayfield played scout defense as a defensive end in practice for the Panthers. Um, I think people are buying way too much into this. Maybe it was a deal where they just asked him. Was they it, need, okay, they, but... I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No. Is it a full contact, or was he just doing walkthroughs? I think it it had to be walkthroughs, right? Yeah, because then that changes the story. If he's just running through like walkthroughs, and maybe they just need an extra body in there, and he was nearby, but I'm hoping that it's not him like taking shots from the offensive no, line. You know, absolutely. Not. He's too small in the first place. He's like my size playing quarterback, and I'm not a big guy at all. I'm like five You're, ten. No, you got some muscle on you. Oh, you're too kind. We went to the gym earlier. We today. did go to the gym today. That was lit. Yeah, but uh, I think, yeah, like you said, I think people are buying in way too much into this. It's got to be a walkthrough. He's 5'11", sub 200. Like, I don't I don't really think they're going to be putting him in uh, contact reps at defensive end. Nonetheless, though, I think it does say a lot that he's not taking uh, backup reps at quarterback and they're not having him do that 
and focusing on that a little bit more. There should be no reason for why a backup quarterback, I think, in the NFL is taking scout defensive end reps. I'm with you on that. That's uh, that's not a good sign. Nonetheless, though, Baker Mayfield's still optimistic. He's accepted his role as a backup quarterback on this team. Um, hasn't shown any signs of that bothering him whatsoever, which I think showcases a lot of maturity from uh, Baker Mayfield in general. A guy who I would say uh, wasn't uh, didn't act very mature at the beginning of the season, campaigning for Bojangles commercials, and um, Bojangles was, don't want a commercial with him. Yeah, well, he hasn't accomplished anything yet in Carolina, and I think this is a guy that definitely had some maturity issues with the Cleveland Browns. That was the big knock outside of his. Uh, on-the-field stuff with the Browns is the fact that he wasn't much of a leader and he was very immature. I think he's grown a long way in that department, uh, just looking about, just looking at how he's accepted this role so far. Uh, Mayfield even said that he cares about winning right now in the latest press conference and that he'll see what happens and that he believes Charlotte and Carolina Panthers is a great place and he wants to stay there. So I think that says a lot. Maybe... Um, I think in his in a roundabout way, he believes he could still be a starter at some point this season, which I think is not out of the realm of possibility. Well, can I throw out a little hot take? All right, yeah, go for it. I think PJ Walker is better, not a lot, but I think he's better than Baker Mayfield. I really do. I think PJ Walker is a better quarterback. Um, I think he's the better best quarterback we've seen since uh, before the Matt, just before the Matt Rule era. So. Teddy Bridgewater onward, I think P.J. Walker is the best quarterback we've seen so far in these last stretch of games. You think he's better than Bridgewater? Bridgewater was okay. See, I like Bridgewater. Bridgewater, all right, I'll say he's the best since Bridgewater. You're not going to win a Super Bowl with him, but you can win some games with him. Yeah, I think the big knock on Bridgewater was the fact that uh, his unwillingness to stretch the field and throw it down the field. Um, And that was a knock on P.J. Walker filling in as a backup, which, keep in mind, he was filling in as a backup now that he's the full-fledged starter, we saw it last week. That is a guy that's not afraid to stretch the field. He uh, he had on those air yards on that Hail Mary to DJ Moore, which should have been the game winner. All it took for that to be the game winner yeah. was a sense of knowing where you are and what the moment is and yeah. not taking your helmet off. Either it's way, unbelievable. Either way, well, let's not get off track here. That was the most air yards by a quarterback since that stat was recorded back in 08, I believe, which I think is – that's shocking because P.J. Walker never stood out to me. Uh, his arm strength never stood out to me, so that's kind of an interesting stat. Maybe that would be a sports trivia question for whatever if you do that kind of thing like three or four years from now. Speaking of trivia questions, let's restate our little gift card giveaway. All right, let's get right to it. EC running back Keaton Mitchell currently sits at 999 all-purpose yards on the season. So he's a yard shy of 1,000 this year. Keaton Mitchell had a, over 1,000 all-purpose yards last year. If Keaton gets one more yard, he'll be the first pirate running back to have back-to-back 1,000 all-purpose yard seasons since this former pirate running back. Don't be shy. Yeah, don't, don't be, be shy. shy. Call just in, take throw a out chance. an answer. I might give you the gift card even if you just try. Hey, there, hey you can't ask for more than that. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm giving you a chance here. Um, also, currently underway, ECU baseball. Season is not officially back yet, but they're doing their annual Purple and Gold World Series. As we speak, our guy Philip the Ref Pilkington is the PA announcer out there right now, so I hope all is going well with him. Um, checking their Twitter page right now. The last I checked, it was in the fourth inning, and the gold team was leading for if anybody is keeping a close eye on that or really is all about the Purple and Gold World Series here. So through five innings, um, Jake Hunter, who was a freshman pitcher last year, um, he threw five innings of hitless baseball for the gold team right now, so he's looking pretty good. So that tells me that the gold team still leads one to nothing as we speak. Um, interesting uh, interesting note about the uh, Purple and Gold World Series. Parker Bird, who you remember was the, uh, the uh, commit who had a tragic accident that ended up um, – in the uh, amputating of one of his legs, was the ECU baseball commit. He's actually one of the honorary captains and managers for the purple team. So I'm I'm, I'm full team purple for this purple and gold World Series. Uh, Parker Bird, we wish him well, and he still has plans to play baseball. And I'm pull, I'm oh does I'm he? Pulling, yeah. Oh, we got a caller, baby. All right, we got a caller. Oh, on the line. Uh, oh, it's gone. I think it's oh, your wait, fault. Oh wait, it's back. 
Either way, whatever. Moving on, MLB World Series. Let me know when we got that guy on here, Chris. Um, Astros lead the series three to two. They beat. We got him on. Oh, we got him on. Oh wait, did I press something wrong? Probably so. Either way, MLB World Series last night. Astros lead the series three to two. I thought it was an interesting ball game, uh, just merely because of the fact that I really felt after Game Four that the Phillies uh, lost all momentum. And that's interesting to say because Philly had all the momentum at the beginning of the series when they led 2-1 to one going into Game 4. But that combined no-hitter by the Astros in uh, Game 4 to tie up the series, I really feel like the Phillies, like there was no chance of them winning after that game. I could honestly see the Astros winning out, and I still believe that. But I do think they showed a lot of fight last night. Um, Astros ultimately went into that Game 3-2. to two. They hung in there with them. Uh, the whole way, but just not enough, not enough to get it done. And I think this series simply comes down to experience. Astros, the more experienced team when it comes to the World Series and playoff success. The Phillies got hot at the right time, ended up in the playoffs, and I still think there's a lot of holes on that team. But all it takes, we found out in this series, is one big bat to change the ball game. And the Phillies definitely have that, Bryce Harper and Kyle Schwarber. I'm not ruling them out uh, completely. But I do, like, just personally, I expect the Astros to win out here. I don't see the Phillies win another game. But I do see it. I do think it's possible the Phillies can uh, make things interesting. But um, if I was a betting man, I'm having uh, the Astros winning out here. A couple of interesting news and notes also um, here on the uh, Wild Sports Day. Gonzaga is uh, talking about going to the Big 12. Uh, the AD for Gonzaga reached out to the Big 12 commissioner. Over the weekend, Gazaga currently sits in the West Coast Conference, uh, which is, let's just face it, a weak conference right now. And I think this is an interesting move for Gonzaga. Um, you take a look at how it would look if they were to join the Big 12. You would have Cincinnati, UCF, Houston, BYU, Texas, and Oklahoma who don't leave till 2026. So it depends on how early Gonzaga moves to the Big 12, how the landscape of that conference is going to look. Um, Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, TCU, Baylor, Kansas, Kansas State, Iowa State, and West Virginia. That's a strong basketball conference. Gonzaga, a strong powerhouse college basketball team. They just need to get that uh, championship or get over that championship hump. And uh, I think the biggest problem with Gonzaga, and people can disagree, is that uh, they're not really battle-hardened during the season. When you look at their conference, not a lot of challengers within conference play. St. Mary's has had a, a couple of good regular season years. But uh, you never really uh, believe that they're going to win out the conference title or anything or be a serious challenger to Gonzaga. Outside of that, a whole lot of booty when it comes to the West Coast Conference. I think this is a good move for Gonzaga, purely on the fact, obviously, it's more money for them. And I think it's a stronger basketball conference. And uh, they'll be a little bit more battle-hardened in conference play. And I think they'll be a little bit more prepared for postseason play if they were to move to the Big 12 and I think that's something that's desperately needed for Gonzaga to get over the hump and win an NCAA championship in basketball. Obviously, Gonzaga doesn't have football. But another thing... All right, um, I'm going to cut you off. We got a caller. Caller, are you able to talk? Speak for me, caller. Yes. Oh, uh, hey, there we go. There we go. What is your name, caller, and where are you from? Uh, Jared from Greenville. All right. Um, Restate the question for him just uh, to make sure that everyone knows. Absolutely. Yeah. Why don't you host the show, Chris? Damn. Gee. <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll shut up. Shut up, please. Sorry. 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 Yeah. I'm sorry you had to sit through that, my uh, my, my dear friend here. ECU running back no Keith Mitchell currently sits at 999 all purpose yards on the season. So he's a yard shy of 1,000. Keith Mitchell had over 1,000 all purpose last year. If Keaton gets one more yard, knock on wood, I'm pretty sure he's going to get it. He'll be the first Pirate running back to have back-to-back 1,000 all-purpose yard seasons since this former Pirate running back. What is your answer? I'm going to go with Breon Allen. Ooh, that was close, but not quite. Not quite. You want to give it another shot here? G- give us another one. Give us another one. Come on. I'm giving you another chance. Right off the cuff. If, if it's not him, then it, it goes back to Chris Johnson. No. No, oh, I hate to hit him. I was really pulling for you, Jared. Jared, thanks for calling, bud. No worries. Yep, take it easy. Dang, Jared was so close. I actually had to do a, a double take on Breon Allen when we were preparing that question for the show. 
because Breon Allen was close one year to getting back to back and had like kind of a forgotten year at running back um, for the parts and an explosive year. But I believe he was like maybe a hundred yards shy of a thousand on purpose the following year, the year before. It's he was close, but there's some kind of technicality of Breon Allen where he was just short. But keep trying. I will say, to give you a clue, Breon Allen is in the ballpark. Hold on to that thought. We got another caller. All right, who's on the line? Oh, wait, it's doing that again. Chris, figure out the phone. I'm trying, Jesus. Man. I'm giving you a hard time. You're fine. That phone system is janked. Okay, let's see. That. Now. Uh, we're going to try one more time. I don't Hey, <laughs> you, you just you're just having a hard time. It worked time. a minute ago. It's okay. all right, yeah. I, I mean, I know you could do it, Chris. Cut me off when you figure it out. Future okay. AAC member. Um, Rice gets first uh, their first five-win season since 2015. I thought this was interesting to bring up because when we looked at AAC conference expansion, let's face it, it was kind of a disappointment from a competitive standpoint, and Rice was clearly the weakest link to a lot of people. First five-win season since 2015, I think that's a huge step up for Rice. I don't know if they can carry that over for the American once they join next year, but I will say this. They have some pretty impressive wins. They did beat Louisiana, who has a disappointing year, but has been very tough in the Sun Belt in previous years past. Okay. Do we got a? I don't. I, I don't know why it's doing that. Chris is having a hard time with the phone lines. I'm just gonna let him figure it out. You're okay. gonna figure it out, Chris. You had it there for a second there. We're obviously getting callers. We are. Yeah. I feel bad. I do. Trial and error, Chris. Trial and error. UAB. They also beat UAB. I think that's an impressive win. UAB coming off a pretty impressive season last year, a couple of bowl seasons. Um, I think that was a pretty impressive win, even though UAB is still looking for bowl eligibility this year. Um, Louisiana Tech, who's had some pretty impressive seasons in a couple of years past in here recently. Uh, Rice also beat them, so they have impressive wins. And if I'm not mistaken, UTEP. Um, UTEP not a great football program, but if not, I'm not if I'm not mistaken, last year they were the first they played in the first bowl game of last season. If I'm not mistaken, somebody can fact check me on that. But they also beat them last night. So I mean, Rice has some impressive wins for their conference. Um, although these are teams that they've beaten that have had kind of disappointing years. But when you look at their losses, they lost to Florida Atlantic, who has four um, four wins on the season. Charlotte has been doo-doo this year. Charlotte was a bad loss for them. And Houston, who's one game shy of ball eligibility, we know how tough they are. And they lost to USC, who's a ninth-ranked team in the country. Rice is looking pretty good. I don't know if they can carry over that momentum into the, that momentum into the AAC. Obviously, they're in a weaker conference right now. But I will say this about Rice. They have the money. They have the money to get a program going there, especially in football. Uh, I think that is the big attraction to Rice joining the conference for uh, Commissioner Mike Oresco in the first place. Might want to take a break, 518. So I, I'm, I'm interested to see how Rice uh, does here and how they do in the ACC. A team I thought was one of the weakest links or the weaker links joining the conference, now not looking so bad. They do have a tough road ahead of them to sneak out bowl eligibility. They got Western Kentucky, who's a game shot of bowl eligibility. Uh, they got Texas San Antonio, who's already bowl eligible. And they got North Texas, who's also a game shot of bowl eligibility. So it's the tough road ahead. Don't want to jump the gun. But Rice has a chance to be bowl eligible, and that would be a huge step in the right direction for a program that's, that has historically struggled of late, and they're joining a tougher conference. All right, on the other side of this quick timeout, we'll get a little bit more focused on the NFL weekend ahead of us. We'll make some NFL picks and some marquee matchups. Plus, me and Chris will list our top three in the NFL and our bottom three in the NFL. That comes your way on the other side of this quick timeout here on the Patrick Johnson Show. Eastern North Carolina's home for the Adam Gold Show. Come on in. Weekdays at noon, right here on Eastern Carolina's home for sports. I love sports. And the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. 
Your future's only a connection away with Optimum Business Secure Internet. Get speeds up to 1 gig and improved 24-7 support to bring growth opportunities closer so you can go farther. Learn more at Optimum.com slash business. New business customers only. Price includes auto pay discount. Additional restrictions, taxes, and fees apply. Visit website for details. Happy hours are always a swashbuckling good time with the P-Man. Happy hour for me never starts till after 5. Me This is only number 3. Let's get back to the Patrick Johnson Show here on 94.3 The Game, the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Welcome back to the Patrick Johnson Show. Ben B. Baby Barm filling in for the P-Man. Chris Cook on the ones and twos and co-hosting with me. By the way, join us a little bit later in the program in the next segment. Former ECU offensive coordinator Doug Martin was an offensive coordinator under Steve Logan. Also had a head coaching stint at New Mexico State. Actually went to a bowl game with New Mexico State. And Kent State, Coach Julian Edelman at quarterback. A little interesting note there. Um, so, yeah, stay tuned for that with Doug Martin as he talks the Pirates wins over BYU, ECU's bye week, and all the latest in the college football landscape so far. In the meantime, do we have somebody on the line, Chris? Um, I know you told me somebody was on the line during the break. Are you able to talk person on the phone? Doesn't sound like no. it. There is that no off real quick. call route available. Either way. Oh, dear gosh, this is a mess. Either way. Let's get into our NFL top three and bottom three here. Um, taking a look, do you want to start, Chris, or do you want me to start? Uh, you start it. All right. So I'm going to stop and switch off with my um, with my bottom. No, I'll stop with my top three, and I'm going from three to the very best, if that makes sense. Is that is that understood? Yes, that makes sense. Number three, I got the Chiefs. Um, I got the Chiefs at three just because they took a bad loss to the Colts. I still think there's not a standout wide receiver that's replaced the void that Tyreek Hill has left behind. There's not really a receiver who has stood out and kind of taken that role and assumed that role. Travis Kelsey's having a good year, but not as dominant as year as Travis Kelsey has had in years past. Defense has been pretty solid for the Chiefs, but still not it's still not great by any means. They do have the best head coach in the NFL, I think, in Andy Reid, and they have the best quarterback in the NFL. So I'm going to give the Chiefs the benefit of the doubt. And it goes back to what I'm saying about Gonzaga. The Chiefs are battle-hardened in their division. They play in one of the toughest divisions in football. I got the Chiefs at three. Who do you got at three, Chris, for your best three? I actually also have the Chiefs at number three. For all the same reasons? Uh, Yeah, they're a little sus to me, though. I, I, I can't – how can you say the Chiefs are sus? They just—they're not the same without Hill, and I mean, I remember MVS on the Packers. He's not going to win you a Super Bowl or even get you to a Super Bowl, you know. Yeah, they kind of have a receiver by committee thing going on right now. Juju Smith-Schuster and MVS, McCole Hardman, all those guys. But we—what we've learned about Patrick Mahomes though is he can make those guys on any given game look like superstars. Moving on to my bottom three. So this is the third worst team in the league. I got the Steelers mainly because I think quarterback. Still a huge question mark. I didn't really like Kenny Pickett all that much coming out of the draft. Um, I think they still have quarterback issues to work out, and I'm not going to judge Kenny Pickett based off a rookie season, but he hasn't been great. The offense is really bad with inconsistent receivers. They just traded Chase Claypool, who was the exhibit A of inconsistent receiver, but Deontay Johnson, uh, among many others in that offense at the receiver position, very inconsistent, along with Pat Fryermuth at tight end. Um, I think T.J. Watt being out for the season was a huge uh, – that hurt their defense a lot. He's kind of – it's kind of like Luke Keekley for the Panthers' defense. Luke Keekley kept that defense, even with holes throughout uh, the Panthers' defense, he kept them consistently in the top ten in the upper echelon of defenses in the league. I feel the same way about T.J. Watt. Offensive line play is just downright horrendous, and the defense is not very good. So I have the Steelers at the 30th team in the league and my third-worst team on my bottom three. Chris. Interesting. Uh, my worst team is uh, hands down the Carolina well, not, not Not the worst team. you got to do the third-worst team. Why okay. are you automatically going um, to the worst team? So to me, well, you that's... spoiled it. Okay, well, to me, the one you're asking is either going to be Jacksonville or Detroit. You got to pick one or the other. Uh, Let's do, I'll say Detroit. Okay, I think that's pretty self-explanatory. 
Um, Detroit obviously got some issues to work out at quarterback. I have Detroit on my bottom three, but I'll get to them. Um, but just any comments on Detroit real quick as your third worst team? Uh I think their offense is solid. Uh, Jared Goff, uh, I'm not going to say he improves every year, but the Jared Goff that I see now is a different Jared Goff than I saw in that Super Bowl against Brady. Uh, I don't know if he can – I'm wondering if they got more pieces around him, if he could take them somewhere. But honestly, I just think they need to scrap him at quarterback. He is good, and I think he could be a solid backup on any team in the league, but he's just – I don't know. Jared, I don't see him as a franchise guy. Jared Goff seems just like a bridge quarterback. That's kind of what I'm trying to say, guy. yeah. yeah. That's what it seems like. Moving on to my second best team in the league. I got the undefeated Eagles. Uh, I still think there's a lot of unknowns with the Eagles. And it mainly comes down to their quarterback, Jalen Hurts, who has been great. But this is kind of the first truly great season from Jalen Hurts, and he has shown some spurts. We saw it last, uh, last night against the Texans. He's shown some spurts. Uh, some hiccups, still a young quarterback. Um, I think Doug Peterson still – not Doug Peterson, excuse me. But uh, Nick Sirianni, I'm not the biggest Nick Sirianni believer, um, even though that team is undefeated. But they're pretty solid the running back position. They have weapons at receiver in A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. Uh, they have Dallas Goddard at tight end, one of the more underrated tight ends in the league. But really what I love about this team is their defense. They loaded up in the offseason grabbing guys like – James Bradbury's a lockdown corner. Hassan Reddick, who's a sack machine. And uh, Gardner Johnson from the Saints, who leads the NFL in picks right now. They made very smart moves in the offseason. That's uh, coming into play on their defense this late in the season. Their first 8-0 start in franchise history. I got the Eagles as the second-best team. Um, I don't know if they're – my problem and my big setback for them while they're the second-best is I don't know if they're a Super Bowl contender still. I still not buying it. The Eagles? Yes. I, what do I'm they? Not, I'm just curious. What do they have to do for them to be a Super Bowl contender in your eyes? I got to see more from Jalen Hurts. I got to see him be consistent, have a monster game. Like I need a breakout I, huge game. I from feel Jalen like we've Hurts. seen that. When? When have we seen that? He's cons- he's been consistent to me. He's been consistently good. He hasn't been consistently great or okay. Elite, th- no, I don't that, think. that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. That's my problem with them is I haven't seen like a breakout smash hit game from Jalen Hurd. But we've yet. seen consistently good quarterbacks make it all the way. I'm gonna that's give true, you an yeah. example: Jimmy G with the 49ers. That's true. But you still got to keep in mind tough division there in the NFC East. That yes, it is. Isn't that weird that it's all of a sudden such a competitive division? That is weird. But I mean, two years ago, who would have thought? I will say this though: Cowboys. Historically great drafters here of late, and I think that's coming into play and why they've been good this year. And uh, you could say the same. You can't say the same about Giants, but Dave Gettleman isn't there anymore, so the drafting automatically gets better. Moving on, who do you got as your second-best team, Chris? I am going to go with the Buffalo Bills as my second-best team. Ooh, okay. Why second-best? That loss that they had to Miami – I'm not going to say it exposed them, but they reminded me a lot of the 2021 Packers where they just they win really good, but they just haven't had that like super challenging game. They they had it against Miami and they lost. So I'm curious to see how they would perform in a similar scenario like that. And I from from that game it looks like they wouldn't be able to pull it out. The Eagles I do think would be able to pull it out. That's the difference there between those two to me. Okay. All right, interesting. I will say about that Miami game, boneheaded play by a rookie receiver. Didn't run out of bounds as time expired. Yeah, see, what happens in the playoffs when it's not just an easy breeze? They're not playing Green Bay, you know? Yeah. What what happens then? I think something similar. Well, yeah, I, uh, I AFC is tough. The Bills have played tough teams this year. Like, I think the Ravens win. When they beat the Ravens. Oh, I think, Ravens aren't bad at all. Yeah, yeah I think that uh, told us a lot about the Bills in that game. Um, and I think losing to the Dolphins is nothing to like – that, that's nothing to be upset about. Dolphins were on a roll at that point. Mm-hmm. Still had Tua healthy, have a top-10 defense. Um, I think the Dolphins are still dangerous, and they have the Tyreek Hill effect going on. I'm not going to hold that uh, Dolphins loss too against them or Dol- Dolphins loss against them that much like you do. But uh, let's move on to I'll our – Okay, hold on before we move on. How do you not hold it against them when, like, we're, we're talking about going all the way. Like, who is your number one team winning the Super Bowl? If you can't win those, like, super tough games like that, I just, you know what I mean? It's it's early in the season, though, Chris. 
It's very early. I don't, it's getting to that midway point. It, it, I'm saying that Dolphins game was what, week three? That's true. That yeah. was earlier in that the year. That was week three. And, uh, I mean, that's you need games like that in order to improve and build upon. Okay. I, you need, I'm, I'm I think you, you I think Super Bowl teams need to have a loss like that and learn from a loss like that. Say, like the Eagles, it's going to be interesting to see how they respond to a loss because it's a young team. It's not a very old team. This is a team that's not used to success with this core they have right now. It's going to be interesting to see how they respond to their first loss if they do get a loss. Do you think it could possibly be like when the Steelers went 11-0 and and then just got absolutely exposed? Uh, I think they're definitely— are they, are they that much of a pretender to you? No, I no, I have them as a I what well, I had the Eagles as my second best team in the league, so okay. I don't think they're pretenders. But um, I do I I still need to see more from before me to declare them as the best team in the league. Moving on, my second worst team in the league is the Lions, and I think it comes down to head coaching. Um, I've never been a Dan Campbell guy. I think because he does goofy stuff and he says goofy stuff, and the players like him, people just assume he's a great head coach. But something that's plagued this Lions tenure. Obviously, this is an offense that can score points. It's a matter of there's some questionable head coaching decisions down the stretch that cost them games. And when does it get to the point, Dan Campbell's in his second year, it's going to get to a point next year where if Dan Campbell's making the same mistakes as a head coach, it's just going to come down to is Dan Campbell on the hot seat? Uh, I think, I, think that, I don't know, honestly. And I think in year three, you got to start turning things around. And I think the Lions have underperformed this year, quite frankly. Yeah, but... When, when have they – come on, we're talking about the Lions here. Well, you, that, can't be an, that can't be a point, though, Chris. They got – That can't be a point. Any improvement for the Lions is a drastic improvement to me. Well, they got one win, so how's that an improvement? They could have zero. There's no improvement. The only thing that you could They've say – They've had is some could, close ones, though. They, they for, uh, in like week three or four, they had the highest scoring offense in the NFL. Either way, wins matter. I'm, gotta, I'm with you on that. you got to learn how to win, and I think this Lions team still doesn't know how to win. Okay, but is that the coach, though, or is it the team? I think that's the coach. Okay, that's fair. I honestly believe that's the coach. I'm going to personally disagree. I think he— uh, That franchise has been turmoil for decades. I don't think—all right, before Dan Campbell, this team was— uh, all right, one win going into—what are we? Week, what week are we heading into right now? Week nine? Uh, something like that. Yeah, yes, it, yes, it is. Before Dan Campbell, with Matt Patricia, there wasn't teams that bad heading into Week Nine where they had one win. You you would take Matt Patricia's Lions over. I would take Matt Patricia over head coach as over Dan Campbell. To be honest, hmm. I'm going that okay. far. I don't. I think Dan Campbell is all talk, no show. But see, I love how much he's talk. He reminds me of like the old gritty football coach. And that's why people are dumbfounded by this line. We're well, not dumbfounded, but they're almost hypnotized by this Lions team. They think there's improvement. When really, it's just a goofy head coach that says funny things that people like. And the players have bought in, and it's a fun locker room. But at some point, you got to start getting wins. Okay. Yeah. I know. I, I, with all things that I've said still on the table, I, that's a good point. Yeah, I just – defense is atrocious. Um, they can't have a consistent weapon. You thought Amon Ross St. Brown was going to be that guy, but he got hurt, and when he's come back, he hasn't been consistent. DeAndre Swift got hurt. I think that was a big loss. He's just now coming back. Um, and Swift, I think, when healthy, could be a top five back. Jared Goff, a bridge quarterback, and the offensive line is terrible, but I think it comes down to head coaching. I think he's another Matt Rule kind of type of coach. Okay. I honestly believe All that. Right, but you're saying he's as bad as Matt Rule? Maybe not as bad as Matt Rule, but he's on a similar level. Uh, Moving on. See, I'm, I'm not with you. Did I can't you get say your second-worst team yet? It's the Jags. Yes, it's the Jags. it is the Jags. You ready to hear number one? Yeah, let's go ahead and get with number one. Your boys. That's who's number one. The well, you, Carolina You already Panthers. spoiled that earlier. It has not been a good show producing for you, Chris. It, okay. You've had a hard time. But uh, why the Panthers? Because I'm going to disagree with you here. Uh, I will even say their defense is stellar offense. I mean, as much as I was talking good about P.J. Walker at the beginning, I'm a, you're not going to win games with – you might win a couple with P.J. Walker, but uh, I don't know. He's better than Mayfield. I'll give him that. I'm going to disagree with you just because P.J. Walker showcased he's a quarterback you can win with. I think the head coach, now that you have a new head coach, he seems competent. I mean, instantly, once Matt Rule was fired, the offense looked miles. You know my reaction to that? What's that? All right, either way. Either way, defense, I don't, 
elite defense. Offensive line is actually a top 10 offensive line in the league. We've saw statistically hey, or like in your opinion, statistically, and I think in my opinion, if you've watched okay. Panthers game, that offensive line is not bad. It hasn't been a matter of quarterbacks getting pressured. Okay, the quarterback struggles. I'm just saying it's sad when DJ Moore is your best player. Why is that sad? You were just saying the other day that he's not. I don't uh, think he's elite, but why is that sad for a rebuilding team for DJ Moore to be your best player on your offense? If you're saying best player, you're dead wrong on that. Well, who do you think is Brian Burns? Okay, yeah, Brian Burns easily. Oh, I'm going to take DJ Moore over him. Jeez, are you kidding me? Oh, I'm not loving your takes at all today, Chris. Okay. Either way, I think this is a team that instantly got better once they fired Matt Rule. Um, we've seen you can plug and play running backs without McCaffrey, and they can have success. We saw that instantly with Deontay Foreman and Chuba Hubbard, who got hurt but did play well in that first game without McCaffrey. And I think the quarterback play instantly got better with P.J. Walker. I think this is a team – that has a newfound confidence under Steve Wilkes, and they've been in some close ones, and they've won. They won under Steve Wilkes. Let's see if they can carry over that momentum against the Bengals who are banged up. Yeah, and they just lost, uh, what, Sunday? Was it Sunday? Yeah, but it was a close one. They had a chance to win that game. I don't think we would have been anywhere close to winning that game under Matt Rule. Okay, now that I'm with you on. I do think Steve Wilkes better than Matt Rule. I think just my my teams in my bottom three are teams that have no hope whatsoever. I think the Panthers have some hope. There's still a chance. <laughs> to, well, you laugh, but they have a chance to win the division. These other teams do not have a chance to win their division whatsoever. Okay. So that's you, why you I think yeah. they're better than Atlanta? Uh, yes, I think they're more talented than I Atlanta. Don't. So I the, think they're better than the Buccaneers. I'll give you that. That team, like, we, we could go on a whole uh, yeah. spiel. We've about already that. spent too much time on this, but I'm just going to disagree with you on okay. that one there. Um, I think the Texans are by far the worst team. Davis Mills doesn't really, after a solid rookie campaign, hasn't took that step up. He almost has the same amount of interceptions as touchdowns this year. Um, this is a team that's primarily focused on the run. Does not, despite uh, Damian Pierce is good, but outside of that, it's like a running back. Weird running back by committee type offense. It's very strange. Um, and then their head coaching. I thought they made a terrible move with the head coach they have now. Who? Uh, let me look up his name here. Lovey Smith. I'm surprised he's an NFL head coach right now. That was a guy that couldn't win uh, in college, so he instantly gets a NFL head coaching gig. And am I mistaken, or was he hired from within the system? He was hired within the system. Before that, he was coaching at Illinois and okay. was – a huge disappointment at it, Illinois. It's usually never a good move when you hire within the system and keep them. Like, I get it in the Panthers' case. You yeah. know, they just need somebody, like an interim guy. But, uh Yeah, Lovey Smith. I wasn't loving that hire. That's, like, coordinator at best for Lovey Smith. Head uh, coach. Yeah, I'm with that you. That screams tanking to me. That's a team that's intentionally tanking. Like, there's no other way around that. Texans, by far the worst team in the league. Showed some life last night. I don't think there's some downright, like, terrible teams in the league. Every team's competitive, and anybody can win week to week, but the Texans are just downright awful. Worst team in the league, Chris? You said the Panthers. Yes. I say the Texans. Okay. My best team in the league is the Bills. I think they're battle-hardened. They show they can win against some uh, quality opponents. They're in actually a tough division this year. Jets have been good. Dolphins have been good. Patriots not so great, but they're 4-4. Four and four. Um, And I think the Bills have the better defense as opposed to the Chiefs. They have the better quarterback. Um. I think Pat Mahomes is still the best quarterback in the league. I think Josh Allen um, is. It's like one A and one B with him. Uh, yeah, one A one B. I put Josh Allen above Patrick Mahomes, dude. The way that guy can run, he can run through guys. I could see it. Yeah, I could see it either way. He can throw just as good as Patrick Mahomes. Can run just as good as Patrick Mahomes. But the difference is he can run through guys. So I think they have argument for best quarterback in the league. Offensive line play still not great. They don't have a running back. But they, I think they have really solid receivers. Um, I Basically, they have a receiving core right now the Chiefs wish they had with Stephon Diggs, oh, yeah, Gabriel Davis, Isaiah McKenzie, who had a boneheaded play in that Dolphins game. But they have some dudes. I will say, receiver. with thinking that Allen is better than Mahomes this year, it is scary to think what Mahomes would do with that Bills uh, roster. Absolutely, it's yes. It's scary to I think. I agree. And I think uh, I'm going to take back what I said about Andy Reid being the best head coach in the league. I, 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 I'm going to take a chance here and say Sean McDermott. Best okay, coach I'm, in the see, league. I think Andy Reid. But it's just a matter of he's got a – they have to have some hardware. Uh-huh. they got to win a Super Bowl. 
like it's Super Bowl for or bust for the Bills this year. Oh yeah, and totally. I think they're the most well-rounded team in the league right now. Their only knock is their offensive line, but offensive lines across as a whole in the NFL this year have just been terrible. It's not been a good year for offensive lines, um, and I think running back play is suspect. But Devin Singletary is a running back who can give you a thousand rushing yards on any given season, but he's not really a factor in the pass game. And he's not going to be a focal point of their offense. He's what we call solid. Yeah, he's a solid he's filling stellar, guy. Stellar, yeah. but he's not bad either. He's just a solid back. Yeah, yeah. I, I, so Bills are my number one team. Uh, your number one team, Chris. It's going to be the Eagles. Okay. And it's going to be them until someone knocks them off. You got to prove to me that this is a fluke. Yeah. I'm saying it's not a fluke. You got to prove to me that this is a fluke. Yeah, I, I, I'm not necessarily saying it's a fluke. I'm just uh, I don't want to jump the gun with them. Okay, all I'm saying that's yeah. fair. I uh, I I have nothing against that pick. The Bills might be more battle proven, battle hardened, like how you were saying, but uh, I'm gonna still go with the Eagles. Absolutely, that's gonna do it for our NFL top three and bottom three. Coming up on the other side, this is a quick timeout. We'll have uh, former ECU offensive coordinator Doug Martin talking the latest with ECU and their win over BYU last week. Uh, talks a little bit about ECU's bye week and the latest in college football. But first. We're going to send it over to Chris Cook with a 94th of the game sports update. Chris, take it away, bud. All right, thank you, Ben. Starting things off, ECU baseball holding game one of their annual Purple Gold World Series in Clark LeClaire Stadium. The current score of that is 1-0 for Team Gold. Game two starts tomorrow at 11.30, while game three starts Sunday at noon. Breaking news from South Central High School, our very own Patrick Johnson reporting this moments ago. South Central Athletic Director Chris Cherry will be taking over as head coach for football and will also continue as the basketball coach. First year, Kendrick Parker was the head coach earlier in the year for football, but had to resign after four games due to family reasons. High school football playoff action begins tonight. We're leading you into live play by coverage between J.H. Rose and Kate Fear at Percy Daniels Stadium for their 3A East first round matchup. Coverage begins right here at 6.50 with Croft Massey and the legendary Ronald Vincent on the call. Other local teams in playoff action, the Conley Vikings traveling to Leesville Road, North Pitt on the road against East Duplin, Northeastern hosts Farmville Central, JP2 battles Halifax Academy in Greenville, and Parrot Academy hosts LAAS. And over in Snow Hill, Green Central battles St. Paul's. The Carolina Panthers have a tough task ahead of them as they get ready to hit the road against the Cincinnati Bengals this Sunday. The latest injury report has safety Justin Burris, running back Chuba Hubbard, and wide receiver Rashard Higgins all listed out for that game. Cornerback Dante Jackson is questionable due to an ankle injury. The Bengals pretty banged up this week also. They'll be without star receiver Jamar Chase and corners Chidobe Awuzie and Mike Hilton. Starting left tackle Lyle Collins is questionable due to an undisclosed illness. The oddsmakers have the Bengals obviously favored by nine points over with the over-under at 44. Speaking of the Panthers, interesting development out of practice today is QB uh, Baker Mayfield has been taking scout defensive reps as defensive end. Interim head coach Steve Wilkes confirmed earlier this week that Baker Mayfield will officially be the backup moving forward and that they will carry on with P.J. Walker as their starter. That'll do it for your 94.3 The Game Sports Update. More of the Patrick Johnson Show on the other side of this quick timeout with Ben Byram and former ECU offensive coordinator Doug Martin right here on 94.3 The Game. More of the Patrick Johnson Show is coming up on your flagship home of the ECU Pirates. 94.3 The Game. Just follow me here. We're doing it for the gram. Check out picks from the PJ Show and more. Plus, picks from around Pirate Nation. 94.3 The Game, now on Instagram. Welcome back to the Patrick Johnson Show. Ben Barham filling in for the P-Man and joining us. A very special guest, one of my favorite during the week, former ECU offensive coordinator under Steve Logan, Doug Martin with us here on the Patrick Johnson Show. Doug, how you doing? Have you done any fishing? I know it's a little bit, uh, it's getting a little cold outside, but there's still some fishing to be done in the colder weathers. Oh, absolutely. It never gets too cold for fishing, but no, I hadn't been able to get out this week, maybe this weekend, hopefully, since East Carolina's got a bye week and uh, I'm not going to make it up to the Wake Forest game this week, so maybe out this weekend. 
Yeah, more on that Wake Forest later. That's a huge game against NC State they got tomorrow night. But uh, let's talk a little bit about that ECU-BYU game. I think it was a gutsy win going into Provo, Utah, which you've explained before last week. Not an easy place to play, a very tough place to play. They get a gutsy win and a close win against, I think, despite the record, a very good BYU team who's played some tough teams this year. That's just the nature of being an independent, I think. But uh, you had a great performance by Holton Aylers, an all-time performance by Keaton Mitchell. What were some of your first impressions of ECU's win over BYU to make it three straight? And you look at their schedule now, you look at their record, three straight wins over some tough teams like Memphis, UCF, and now BYU heading into the bye week. Yeah, I think East Carolina's got a lot of momentum going for them now. And as you can see, you know, like I told you guys, I don't care how many games in a row they've lost, that'll be a tough place to play. And that environment was rocking up there i mean it looked you know i watched it on tv and it was loud it's hostile it's a tough trip so freeze carolina to go up there and win that's one of those wins you kind of put an asterisk by when you're building a program that you know this is a big step forward that we took being able to go up there because that's really being byu at home is really like beating a power conference team I, i know they're independent and all that stuff but they have the resources and the tradition and all that stuff of power conference level competition so beating them Huge step forward for East Carolina's program. Something that really stood out to me in that game was the defense, obviously, when they had the uh, fourth down stops towards the end of the game. And something, maybe I'm overthinking it, but I think it's definitely hard, especially in today's college football environment with the transfer portal, for defensive players to truly buy into that specific type of defense that Blake Carroll has going on, where there's a lot of rotation. There's not really clear-cut starters week to week. There's just a lot of rotation, a lot of switching in and out. There's no really standout guy on that defense. Everybody knows their role. Everybody's a team player. Everybody's playing their part. How hard is it to specifically get a defense like that going, um, especially in today's college football environment when everybody's like, if I'm not getting playing time or if I'm not the guy, I'm hopping in the transfer portal and I'm going somewhere where I could be the man I could be I can get the most playing time I that really stood out to me with this defense the fact that guys can rotate in and out and everybody's very humble and they're being a team player is that a product of just everybody buying in I I think it is that's a product of you know coaching staff doing a great job of selling them on winning as a team and they're having success and you know once players taste success you know, then they get hungry for it. And, you know, what players need to realize, and most do eventually, is as your team gets success, then all those individual awards and accolades that you want, those naturally just come to you. They, you get caught up in the jet stream of your team's success. That's how you get those things. It's not by being an individual and putting yourself out there. And I think that's one of the things East Carolina has done a great job of is playing team football. And, you know, defensively, I think they've been outstanding all year. I really can't remember a game where they haven't really played well defensively this year. I agree. I mean, even that Tulane game wasn't very good on the uh, score sheet, but uh, the defense was out there a lot. They did the best they could. I mean, holding Tulane uh, to that low number of points right there, I mean, a lot of teams haven't been able to do that despite the loss. But moving on to Keaton Mitchell here, all-time performance by Keaton Mitchell, 21 carries, 176 rushing yards, a Russian touchdown averaged 8.4 yards per carry in that game. When you have a talent like that, especially when, let's face it, we're about year four here with Coach Houston, I still say it's still a rebuilding program. Despite the fact we have a bowl, we were bowl eligible last year, we are bowl eligible this year. I still think there's greater things that could be accomplished here at ECU, and I think Houston would agree. But when you have a guy like that, especially early on in recruiting, what a difference a guy like that can make, especially in the run game, especially for that offense. That opens up everything for that offense when you got a guy in Keaton Mitchell who can have a performance like that night in and night out, week to week. Yeah, i got guys that can create and can make people miss and do things like that on his own. It just makes everybody on your offense better. You know, when you can hand him the ball off and maybe you've blocked the play well enough to gain four yards, but you gain 12 because he's you know, able to make people miss him because of his speed and those type of things. It's just a mm-hmm. different gear, and uh, he, he's going to be an electric player. And you know, I, I hope he stays at East Carolina. That's the thing the transfer report on NIL money has done now. Players like him that make such a great mark, there's going to be a lot of people come after them. You have to recruit your own team all over again after this season. So that'll be a, a real challenge for East Carolina, but he's a dynamic player. Terrence Copper compared him to Chris Johnson. You think that comparison's pretty valid? 
I think it is. I, you know, my memory of Chris Johnson is that he was more of a straight line guy, though. It's all about speed. And I agree. Didn't have as much of the be able to make you miss type of stuff that that you know, Mitchell has. So uh, Johnson might be a little bit faster, but I think Keaton Mitchell makes people miss a little bit more. I agree. I I completely stand with that. Going, ECU's now in a bye week. Uh, I think Houston. He's even admitted this in press conference. Not too happy when the ball bye week kind of fell. Um, this late in the season, and it feels like we are facing a lot of teams coming off bye weeks. It seems like a lot of opponents had an advantage in that aspect. When you get into a bye week this late in the season, or just a bye week in general at any point in the season, what is the main focus during that week? Is it more so self-improvement? Is it more so preparing for your next opponent? Is it a healthy mix? How were you handling the bye week with your experience as a head coach and a coordinator? What was the bye week all about? Yeah, I think it, it depends on when it falls. You know, if it falls early in the year, then you're probably going to practice a little bit more than you would later in the year, and you're going to uh, focus on self-improvement a little bit more. Where East Carolina is, I mean, this thing is really coming late. Um, I, I'm sure they're beat up. They've been playing a really demanding schedule here the last couple of weeks. They probably need rest more than anything and just get guys in that treatment room, get them healthy, and practice enough just to keep them oiled up and get ready to go play Cincinnati. But it would be more about the mental part of preparing for Cincinnati during the week off, and then next week get back to practice and get a head start on them. When you talk about Cincinnati, that was a team that was in the upper echelon of the conference, the team to be in the conference until UCF. UCF, who we found out personally, very tough team despite us stomping them. We know UCF is very, very good, and I thought was one of the more dangerous teams in the conference. Knocked Cincinnati off their pedestal, and uh, Cincinnati's kind of come down to reality a little bit. Still a very good team. What about Cincinnati makes them such a tough out week to week from what you've seen so far? Yeah, again, I think it's the investment in the program there, you know, the facility improvements, all those things they've been able to do. It's helped them in recruiting. You know, they've got some elite players. They're really a, a dynamic defensive football team, and that's that's their strength. I think they've been struggling a little bit at the quarterback position this year, a little bit up and down offensively, but, you know, defense travels. <laughs> you got a good defense that's going to show up week in, week out, and, and that's what they have. Doug Martin, former EC offensive coordinator under Steve Logan, former New Mexico State head coach, not an easy place to win, as well as Kent State. Doug Martin, appreciate you coming on. With just a measly young plucky upstart like myself instead of the P-Man, always great to have you on. I've been enjoyed it, buddy. Take care. Yep, take it easy. That was former ECU offensive coordinator Doug Martin here on the Patrick Johnson Show. Here to wrap it up on a Friday. A quick update from ECU baseball. The gold team pitched no hunter with Jake Hunter on the mound. And gold takes game one with a final score of one to nothing. Game two will be tomorrow at 1130. We're leading you leading you into coverage, excuse me, of J.H. Rose versus Cape Fear as Croft, Massey, and Ronald Vincent will take it over at 6.50. In the meantime, the Bridge Show with Philip Pilkington as he'll recap and preview everything in the high school football landscape. And a special thanks to Chris Cook. I apologize about the phone lines. I will yes, be hosting more next week. And we'll work on that. Chris is crying right now because I yelled at him. I'm upset. I wanted to hear the people talk, you know. Well, yeah. you can't blame nobody but yourself. You're right. No, you're I'm just kidding. You're right, Chris. It's fine. Not a big deal. Screw him. That's going to do it for, your, for the Patrick Johnson Show. I'm Ben Barham. Back live at 5 on Monday. See you. Take it easy. Have a good weekend.